there and welcome to the Couch GM podcast. That's right. This is the first podcast for my channel, The Couch GM. After this is over, I will be uploading this to Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, you might already be, be listening to this on a podcast platform. Uh, if you are, I am also live streaming this on YouTube and Twitch. So be sure to go subscribe to my YouTube and my Twitch for future lives and as well to uh, stay up to date on all MLB and Mariners content throughout the offseason. Today, it's just me, but I do intend to have some guests on throughout the offseason to talk all things Major League Baseball, the Mariners, and uh, my my goal for the channel is to become an MLB channel covering all the MLB teams and news throughout the offseason and into the season. So today, we're going to be talking MLB offseason, all the updates that we've heard so far, as well as getting into some Mariners rumors and some information that Jerry DePoto has talked about from the GM meetings so starting off with the MLB updates in the offseason so far this year, looking at the key dates for the MLB offseason, last Thursday, November 10th, was the deadline to issue a qualifying offer to any eligible free agents. This was a one-year $19.65 million contract that could have been extended to any eligible qualifying offer free agents. Also on Thursday, the free agent market was officially opened, so all free agents are now eligible to sign with any organization. So far this week, we've seen Edwin Diaz finalize a five-year, $102 million contract extension with the New York Mets. This is the largest contract for a relief pitcher in history, both in total value and on an annual basis. And this beats out Aroldis Chapman, who was the highest paid relief pitcher prior to Diaz, who made $18 million in 2022. Aroldis Chapman is now set to become a free agent this offseason. We also saw Robert Suarez sign a five-year, $46 million contract extension with the San Diego Padres, a relief pitcher. We also saw Rafael Montero recently sign a three-year, $34.5 million contract extension with the Houston Astros. He was a ex-Mariner in that Kendall Graveman trade. The Silver Sluggers were announced on Thursday, November 10th, and Julio Rodriguez was one of the three Silver Slugger award winners, along with Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. We'll get into that in a little bit. On Monday, November 14th, the Rookie of the Year will be announced, as well as Tuesday, November 15th, the Manager of the Year will be announced. And we'll get into the implications of who wins Rookie of the Year and what that means for the team who has that player on their team. On Tuesday, November 15th, it is the deadline for free agents who are issued a qualifying offer to either accept or decline it. And we'll get into in just a moment the implications of qualifying offers and if someone leaves the team, what that team will get. Wednesday, November 16th, the Cy Young Award winners will be revealed. On Thursday, November 17th, the MVP uh, winners will be revealed. Then from December 4th through the 7th, it's the annual winter meetings. On December 7th, to wrap up the winter meetings, there will be the Rule 5 draft. On January 15th, the international signing window will open. And then heading into February, spring training begins on February 24th. And the official opening day begins on March 30th. So as I mentioned on Tuesday at 4 p.m., it is the deadline to accept the qualifying offer, which was a one-year $19.65 million contract. There were 14 players that were offered a qualifying offer, and these are in no particular order. One is the Braves shortstop Dansby Swanson. Two, the Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras was extended a qualifying offer. Dodgers left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson. Dodgers shortstop Trey Turner. Giants outfielder Jock Peterson. Giants left-handed pitcher Carlos Rodon, 
Mets right-handed pitcher Chris Bassett. Also the Mets, Jacob deGrom. Also for the Mets, outfielder Brandon Nimmo. For the Rangers, Martin Perez. For the Red Sox, Xander Bogarts and Nathan Eovaldi. For the Yankees, Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo were extended qualifying offers. And some notable players who did not receive a qualifying offer were the Astros outfielder Michael Brantley, the Dodgers Andrew Haney and Clayton Kershaw, the Mets Taiwan Walker, the Padres Mike Clevenger and Sean Manaya, the Red Sox J.D. Martinez and Michael Waka, and the Yankees Jamison Tyone. And so essentially in order to become or to be extended a qualifying offer, you have to meet certain criteria. So it has to be the first time that the qualifying offer has been placed on you. If you've been placed a qualifying offer in the past, then you cannot be extended a qualifying offer again. And you also have to have spent the entire prior season with that team in order for that team to extend a qualifying offer to you. Now, if you're a team that signs a player who is offered a qualifying offer, if you sign that player, there is going to be a penalty against you, depending on if you exceeded the luxury tax or not in the prior year and as well as if you are receiving revenue sharing with the league or not, uh, the implication will vary depending on those factors. So teams that exceeded the luxury tax the prior year will give up their second and fifth highest picks plus $1 million in international signing bonuses if they sign a player that was extended a qualifying offer. And these teams are the Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Mets, New York Yankees, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the San Diego Padres. And if you sign multiple players that were extended to qualifying offer, you would also lose your third and sixth highest picks. Now, teams that do not receive revenue sharing, uh, if you were to sign a player with qualifying offer, you would give up your second highest and your third highest picks the following year and $500,000 in international signing bonus money. These are the Braves, the Cubs, the Astros, the Angels, the Giants, the Cardinals and the Blue Jays. And then teams that do receive revenue sharing, you would give up your third and fourth highest draft picks the following year. These are the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, the Reds, the Guardians, the White Sox, the Rockies, Tigers, Royals, Marlins, the Brewers, the Twins, Athletics, Pittsburgh Pirates, the Seattle Mariners, Tampa Bay Rays, Texas Rangers, and the Washington Nationals. Now, if you extend a qualifying offer to a player on your team and they end up signing elsewhere, if and only if the player that you lost signs for at least $50 million, you will be awarded a pick between the first round and the competitive balance round A of the 2022 uh, MLB draft. If the player signs for less than $50 million, then the compensation pick for those teams would come after the competitive balance round B, which follows the second round. On Monday the 14th, the Rookie of the Year will be announced for both the American League and the National League. If the winner was on the opening day roster, that team gets a compensatory pick after the first round in the 2023 draft. So it's pretty much a lock that Julio Rodriguez is going to win the AL Rookie of the Year for the Mariners. So the Mariners are going to get an additional first round, technically after the first round, pick in the 2023 MLB draft. Now the value of this cannot be understated. Um, if you go back and look at the Mariners' first round draft picks over the last 10 years, we're looking at 2012 was Mike Zunino, 2013 was DJ Peterson, 2014 Alex Jackson, 2015 there was no first round pick for the Mariners. But then in 2016, first round pick for the Mariners was Kyle Lewis, 2017 Evan White, 2018 Logan Gilbert, 2019 George Kirby, 
2020 Emerson Hancock. And then of course, 2021 was Harry Ford. And in 2022 was Cole Young. So in 2023, the Mariners will get a, they already have their first round pick. They will get a second first round pick technically after the end of the first round ends. So that's a, a massive pickup. If you can take, you know, call it Harry Ford, and then you also get a Cole Young in the same draft or an Emerson Hancock, a George Kirby, a Logan Gilbert. We've seen the Mariners go younger on their draft picks in the prior years. Um, so we might see them take, you know, a couple high, high ceiling high school prospects in this next draft since their team and their depth is so young. As I mentioned this last week, it was also announced that Julio Rodriguez won the Silver Slugger. Rodriguez is only 21 years old, and he won the, the award alongside fellow AL outfielders Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees and Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Rodriguez ranked third among AL outfielders in B war, so wins above replacement with six wins above replacement. He tied for fifth in home runs with 28. Tied for third in stolen bases with 25, was third in slugging percentage with a 509 slugging, third in OPS at 853. He batted 284 with 84 runs, 25 doubles, three triples, 28 home runs, 75 RBIs, 25 stolen bases, and with 40 walks, getting on base at a 345 on base percentage, slugging 509, which gives you an on base plus slugging of 853 in his 132 games. He was injured for 30, 30 games of the year. Um, so he played in 132 games. And the 21-year-old outfielder is just the second Mariners rookie to win a Silver Slugger Award, joining Ichiro Suzuki in 2001. Now also looking at the MLB offseason, upcoming with the new collective bargaining agreement um, is a MLB draft lottery, which will be on December 6th. Essentially, the lottery is to determine the top six draft picks. And this was implemented in the new collective bargaining agreement between the players and the league to help avoid tanking. So in prior years, the draft order was from worst record to best record. And so essentially, if the team wanted to get the first overall draft pick, they could just, you know, not call up the top prospects. They could trade away all of their good players. They could tank and try to lose the rest of the games to have the worst record so that they would get that number one overall pick. Now with the new collective bargaining agreement, there is a lottery to determine the top six draft picks. So all 18 non-playoff teams will have a shot at getting the number one overall pick. The worst three teams have the best odds. The other teams will have a declining percentage in reverse order of their records, down to 0.23% for the non-playoff club with the highest winning percentage. So the draft lottery odds for the number one overall pick are the Nationals with a 16.5% chance at the number one overall pick. The Athletics and the Pirates also have the same odds, 16.5% chance of that number one overall pick. The Reds have a 13.2% chance. The Royals, a 10% chance. The Tigers, a 7.5% chance. The Rangers, 5.5%. Rockies, 3.9%. Marlins, 2.7%, and, and so on. The Brewers are 18th. They barely missed the playoffs, and they have a 0.23% chance of getting that number one overall pick. So that'll be really interesting to see how that draft lottery comes about and which team ends up getting that first overall pick. Now getting into some offseason rumors or talking about players that are free agents and where they might sign. First off, we got to talk about Aaron Judge. Where is Aaron Judge going to sign? Um, looking at articles, it seems like people are saying that the Yankees have the best shot at re-signing him. I'm not sure if there's any bad blood there from the extension talks over this past year like with the Nationals and with Juan Soto. Eventually, Juan Soto was traded to the Padres. 
the Yankees weren't able to extend Aaron Judge before his now soon-to-be MVP season. Aaron Judge almost won the Triple Crown. It came down to the last couple games. He led the American League in home runs with 62, RBIs with 131. He was second in batting average with a 311 batting average, only behind Luis Arise of the Minnesota Twins, who had a 316 batting average. And again, this came down to the last couple games um, before the season ended. The last Triple Crown winner was Miguel Cabrera back in 2012. He had 44 home runs with 139 RBIs, a 330 batting average. And soon after, he signed an eight-year, $248 million extension in 2014 after winning back-to-back MVPs in 2012 and 2013. So the estimate for Judge right now is around eight years, 320 or so, which is $40 million a year. This would be the most, well, it wouldn't be the most on an annual basis for any player. Uh, Scherzer was making $43 million uh, in, in his new contract with the Mets. We'll have to see where Aaron Judge goes, if he stays in New York or, or if he goes elsewhere. Another team that is commonly linked to him is the San Francisco Giants. Um, really, it's anyone's anyone's guess at this point. There's also been rumors about either DeGrom or Carlos Rodon going to the Rangers. That would be a big move for the Texas Rangers. After last year, they committed half a billion dollars to both Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. They also signed John Gray and others, and their depth chart looks pretty solid, but they, they might be a pitcher or two away from really competing in the AL West. They ended up finishing, I believe, fourth. Yeah, the Rangers ended up finishing fourth in the AL West this year, even after signing Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and John Gray. So if they can sign Jacob deGrom or Carlos Rodon, that could make them a true contender. Looking at their depth chart, currently their starting rotation consists of John Gray, Jake Odorizzi, who they just traded from for the Braves, uh, the Dane Dunning, Cole Raggins and Glenn Otto. So as of right now, it's not a very strong rotation, but if you throw a DeGrom or a Rodon in there, maybe one other starting pitcher for depth, that could be a, a solid team competing next year. Now moving into some Mariners offseason news, the GM meetings just wrapped up and Jerry Depoto gave some insight on his thoughts on certain areas. Uh, Mitch Haniger was not extended the qualifying offer, which was the $19.65 million one-year contract, which we could have extended. Largely, it must have been because straight up Mitch Haniger is not worth $19.65 million and that risk there. He has not been healthy for a lot of the time that he's been with the Mariners. Fluke injuries, which is unfortunate, but that's just the, the facts. So here's a clip on Jerry Depoto talking about Mitch Haniger. Jerry, how would you characterize where you're at with Mitch Haniger right now? Uh, you know, today is actually the first day that with free agents that you can talk about uh, actual dollars, you know, contract dollars. Uh, up until now, it has been mostly posturing, expressing interest. and But, you know, due to the fact that we have had Mitch for six years now, I, I think we're in a healthy place with Mitch. He is aware that we would like to have him back. We are aware that, that he was going to, to see what free agency looked like. I think we're we are of a mutual understanding that he would like to be in Seattle moving forward. And, and we would like him to be in Seattle. Now we have to figure out if, if all of that works in conjunction with what the market tells him. And that's uh, that's the trick in free agency is, is uh, once you hit free agency, there are 29 other opportunities for you. And we understand that that would be a thing, but we also know that, that if, if 
all is equal. I think Mitch does have interest in Seattle, but there's all may not be equal, and we have to see what looks what that looks like in the in the weeks or potentially months to come. And then after talking about Hanniger, he also talked briefly about Jared Kelnick. So here is Jerry Depoto on Jared Kelnick moving into next year. As you're sorting through that jigsaw puzzle, Jerry, and and I'm sure it factors into a decision on Mitch or any other free agents or trades that you might be looking at. Where do you see Jared Kelnick to start next year? And, and you know, I know that development is not necessarily a straight line type of situation, but based on where he finished the year, how his year went and his age, where do you expect him to start next year? I would expect him very similar to going into spring training a year ago. You know, well, I, I guess almost a year ago, 2022 uh, spring, where we went in with Mitch and Wright and, and really not a, a slam dunk expectation that Julio would break with the team. We didn't know where Julio would be. But we went in with Mitch and some level of unknown in, in what we would do for the, you know, the fourth member of that, that, that outfield quartet that, that would rotate through those three positions and DH. Now this year we go in and, and some combination of Julio and Jared Kelnick and Jesse Winker and potentially, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to discount the idea that, that Taylor Trammell or even potentially Kate Marlowe could be in that mix. But where, where Kel fits, that story will be told whether that is an everyday position, whether it's a fourth outfielder or a member of a four man rotation is going to be defined by what we do in this market via trade and free agency. So that was Jerry talking about Mitch Hanniger and uh, Jared Kelnick and the potential for next year. We'll see if Mitch Hanniger comes back on a one to few year deal, maybe a prove it year for Mitch Hanniger. Um, We'd love to have him on the team. I've been a big fan of Mitch Hanniger since he joined the team through that trade with the Diamondbacks back in 2016. It's just a matter of health at this point. And when he's been on the field, he's had solid production. Uh, I believe it was 2021 where he had 39 home runs and 100 RBIs. Let me look that up. Yeah, 2021, Mitch Hanniger had 39 home runs, 100 RBIs on the dot. 2022, he came in, hit a home run in Minnesota, got COVID, came back in his first at bat, rolled his ankle was out for something like 60 games. And then uh, we'll see where he ends up going. Separately, in another interview, uh, Jerry Depoto was talking with John Morosi at the GM meetings, and he was talking about how the Mariners are looking to add two corner outfielders and also a middle infielder. We knew that we needed a middle infielder with Adam Frazier becoming a free agent. We'll see if uh, J.P. Crawford sticks at shortstop. Jerry Poto, time and time again, has said that J.P. Crawford will be the shortstop next year and moving forward, and he keeps committing to J.P. Crawford at shortstop. But he has said that if the right person came to Seattle, that hopefully J.P. would be able to share shortstop. So it seems like the priority is to either sign a second baseman or in some sort of trade to trade for a second baseman and potentially not move J.P. from shortstop. Although after JP's production this last year, I think it is warranted to move JP from shortstop to second base at some point. Now, regarding the two corner outfielders, one of the names that has been popping up time and time again is Brandon Nimmo from the New York Mets, who's now a free agent. He played center field for the Mets the, the past few years. Last year, Brandon Nimmo had zero errors playing in center field. If we can add an outfielder like that, that has that top of the lineup type contact along with very solid fielding. That would be a great addition to the team. Here is Jerry Depoto talking about the GM meetings in general. From the athletic pulse is their little you know morning hit. 
It says about the winter or GM meetings, the team to watch, the Seattle Mariners. This team made a surprise run to the ALDS and in hindsight gave the World Series champs all they could handle. It means they're close, which means an already aggressive front office should open the checkbook. And it goes on from there. I'm just curious at these GM meetings with what you guys accomplished last year with Julio's emergence and everything else. Are you finding a few more suitors coming your way, a few more conversations than normal on the elliptical? No, you know, the the real answer is baked in there. We are an aggressive front office and, and, uh, you know, we've been around the game for a while in general and, and, uh, teams tend to talk to us. <laughs> you know, we are, and oftentimes, especially in the, in the trade market, but, but even in the free agent market, we have longstanding relationships with many of the agents in the game. We, we talk to everybody and, and we consider everything and, and both teams and agents know that. And, and I think as a, as a result, we tend to be very busy. Our, our schedule is robust and in both, both sectors, you know, the, the free agent market and trade talk. So as you heard from Jerry DePoto at the GM meetings, he's been very active talking with teams regarding potential scenarios for trades. The names that are being floated around in the trade market right now are Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen. Uh, it's very likely that they will be moved in some sort of deal, whether it's them combined or one and the other traded in separate deals, potentially to fill the hole in second base or elsewhere. But right now there's six starting pitchers. There will not be six starting pitchers in the rotation moving into next year. He also talked about Matt Brash and his potential for being stretched out in spring training to potentially move back to a starting pitcher role. And so here is Jerry DePoto talking about Matt Brash. Uh, I will follow up Brock mentioned just because I thought it was interesting, your uh, comments that filtered out about Matt Brash coming in as a starting uh, pitcher next year with the possibility of him going back to the bullpen at some point. What 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 kind of flexibility does Matt give you, whether it's in the trade market, et cetera, this offseason or heading into next year? You know, it's a, we, we've not really, to this point, Matt, he's going to pitch his 25-year-old season. I think he was awesome last year once we shifted him to the bullpen. Based on our present personnel, I think it's highly likely that he starts the season again in the bullpen. And that might be what Matt does, you know, as a, as a big leaguer or as a mariner, is just become a, a big impact at the back of our bullpen. And, and we envisioned that as, as one of the, the potential outcomes. But at 25, we don't want to write it off that that's the only outcome. So, you know, there's really no harm in stretching out, being prepared to, to stretch out in spring training. And it's a lot easier to back up than it is to, to stretch out in terms of innings development. And, you know, at least at the start of the spring, we'll see where that takes us. I don't, I can't say it's a natural competition. You know, right now we have six starters who, who are going to vie for time. We have a handful of other young pitchers who are, are going to have a chance to make an impression, but we've, we've been hit a ton since we landed in Vegas on, on our pitching. And, and that goes from our big league group to, to minor league prospects to relievers. It's uh, it's been, it's been uh, fairly active uh, in teams hitting us on that pitching. And, and we've, for a good reason, they're good. And on the surface, from the outside looking in, we, we appear to have some level of surplus. And uh, it's it's something that might be an advantage to us, you know, through the trade market. We'll see where that goes. But, you know, in Matt's case, it's just a matter of there's there's really no harm in stretching them out. It's easy to back them up uh, once we get to the spring. And we want to make sure that 
that we are taking advantage of maximizing our opportunities with all the talent we have. So as you heard Jerry DePoto say, the Mariners have a surplus of pitching that might be able to be moved in the offseason or even moved during the season. He said that Matt Brash will likely be stretched out for the starting pitcher role in spring training just to kind of see where that goes. If he is the number five starter, I doubt it. Uh, DePoto said, did say that it is likely that Brash will end up being in the bullpen again next year. We'll see if Brash has moved a, a, as a potential piece for a you know high quality infielder at some point or an outfielder. We'll see. Brash's stuff plays very well coming out of the bullpen. I would love to see him in a Mariners uniform moving forward, but if it means that we get a top of the lineup type player, then you know that's just business. A couple other notes: uh, Jeff pa- Passan from ESPN was also on the Mike Salk show this last week. And he did say that he was also hearing rumors of Marco and Flexen actively being shopped. And like some of you have said, the outfield does have a bit of a log jam. We'll see if Winker is going to stay here next year or if he will be traded. There's There were those rumors shortly after the season ended about how there's a bit of a bad taste in the mouth of the Mariners in general, maybe in the clubhouse with Jesse Winker and his production, his attitude this year. We'll see what it, what comes to fruition with him. Also, if Kyle Lewis comes back, you know you can't bank on anything, and that's why Jared Depoto is looking to get two corner outfielders. The only person that is set in stone is Julio Rodriguez in center field. Outside of that, there is nothing reliable that you can really count on with Winker, with Kyle Lewis, with Jared Kelnick, with his struggles. We'll see what the outfield looks like next year. Also, Evan White, he was injured last year, but he started to produce late in the year in AAA. We'll see at what point he comes up to the bigs and starts producing. And then talking about the the pitchers uh, with Marco and Flexen being on the, the trade market. I'm hoping that we see Emerson Hancock come up sometime next year, whether that's opening day or, you know, halfway through the year. The past three years, there's been Logan Gilbert that came up as a rookie. The next year was George Kirby. And then this coming year, I hope that Emerson Hancock will have the same type role as George Kirby did. And then the year before that, Logan Gilbert to where they come up, they get worked into the system. The next year, they just come out all cylinders firing. But George Kirby, even with his uh, higher innings pitched than in prior years, he looked like he stayed healthy and was strong through the playoffs. So that will do it for this podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. And if you're on a podcast setting, please go check out my YouTube and my Twitch channel. Stay up to date on those for any updates on Major League Baseball or the Mariners throughout the offseason. So thank you all for joining. Uh, That'll do it for this time. Let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to comment on a post. Send me an email if you have any topics you'd like me to cover. Otherwise, stay tuned and have a good rest of your weekend. Go Mariners. Thanks.